Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, let's go ahead and open the Bibles this morning. We're going to go ahead and open your words. I'm concluding our series called Set Free to Be Today. And um, I really feel like out of all the messages that I've shared over this series, this one's going to be the most important because I want to help you on how to stay free. Uh, It's important that you get free. It's important that, that you understand you're set free to be all that God wants you to be and he has a purpose and a destiny for you. But I also want you to understand there is still an enemy loose and he's going to try to bring you back into those bondages and those things. And so I want to open up this morning in Genesis chapter 2. I'm actually going to read Genesis 2, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3. So Genesis 2, 8 and 9, Genesis 2, 16, 17, and then Genesis 3. I got it all on the screen for you. Yep, it'll be there. Praise the Lord. Um, And so this morning, I want to ask you a question again, how do we stay free? But in Genesis chapter two, verses eight and nine says this. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So notice what he says. He says this, he says, that there were all sorts of trees, he says, and the Lord God made all these trees out of the ground and they were pleasing to the eyes and in the middle of the garden were two trees, was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, notice what he says, this really is about when you were born and he says, he says that, that, that he created the earth, he created this garden and there was two trees. I'm gonna keep reading, Genesis two verse 16 and 17 says, and the Lord God commanded the man You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Listen to what he says, though. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not sin, just so you know. He's not talking about sin here. He's talking because this was prior to the fall. He's saying that that this tree doesn't represent sin. It opens yourself up to it, but he says this. He says, in the middle of the garden where the, uh, excuse me, uh, not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. In other words, God gave man a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, it's your choice. Look at your other neighbor, which was your second choice. Tell him it's your choice. It's our choice whether or not we stay free. It's our choice what tree we eat out of. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the difference in these trees and what they represent in our life. And he says, I've given you a choice. He says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 says this, he says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? So here's what's going to happen after you have experienced freedom. The enemy's going to come and he's going to question what God did. He's going to question what God said. He says this, he says, did God really say you must not eat of the tree, uh, um, not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, from the, uh, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will sh- not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. So she starts to quote what's said and the enemy says you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. 
And when the desirable for gaining wisdom, excuse me, sorry, I'm all over the map. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate of it. Now, this is very interesting. This is when the fall took place. Notice that he's dealing with Eve. He's not dealing with Adam. But notice what he says. Adam, again, was the household. Uh, uh, he was the head of the household. And so he's actually the one responsible for this craziness. That his wife, his woman, Eve, was talking to a serpent. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if my wife, if I come around the corner and she's talking to a cobra, how many know we got some problems? It's a good, it's a good little cobra. It's a good little, you know, how many know that's an issue? Right? The Bible says this, it says, when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Listen, you have two gates in your life. You have an ear gate and you have an eye gate. And the enemy uses those gates using cultural concepts and ideas to get to your heart. It caused her to fall into sin in this moment. Let me say fall into sin because some of you may misinterpret that. It is a choice to sin. You don't just stumble into it. Oh, one day I'm just going to fall into it. No, it's a choice. Then he goes on to say, she also gave some to her husband. So they know they're not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but here they are. She takes of it first, and then she's like, here you go, Adam. Here's some, here's some fruit. And he's like, oh, okay, let me eat some of the fruit. Man, he was a passive man. It says, and, and her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. This is the first place of shame in your Bible. All of a sudden, they were naked, they, and then all of a sudden, they were like, what did we do? Like, they were walking around naked, didn't even know they were naked. And then all of a sudden, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they were naked. And then all of a sudden, it says they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In other words, the shame was so heavy, they tried to fix it themselves. They tried to hide from God in this moment, and they had done, they had done the opposite of what God asked them to do. They had, they, had, they had made the wrong choice, if you will. Now, there's the two choices of the trees in the garden. And when I think of this, when I think of choices, and I think of this from the tree standpoint, I think of a worldview. It's called a worldview. And literally, what you eat from or what tree you eat from determines your worldview. How you view life, how you see the world, how you see your relationship with God. And we're living in a society today where there's not a lot of a biblical worldview anymore. We come to church, thank God for that, but you don't develop a biblical worldview by coming to church. You, come to, you develop a biblical worldview by eating God's tree of life every single day of your life, and when you start to eat the tree of life, which is the word of God, all of a sudden you have a biblical worldview, and everything you see comes through the Bible. You start to think like you're supposed to think. You start to act like you're supposed to act. So here's the, here's the difference. I'm going to give you some, some differences between these two trees. The first is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says this, do more to get to God. And, and what's happening is you think, well, if I just read my Bible more, if, if I just worship more, if I just serve more, like that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To do more, to get to God. Like God will approve of me if I do more. The tree of life says this, Receive what Jesus already did for you. You're not trying to become a Christian. You're not trying to get saved. You're not trying to get healed. You're not trying to, to work this thing up in the emotional realm. Right? You, it says, the Bible says to receive what Jesus already did 
for you. John chapter five, verse 39 and 40 says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. He says, these are the scriptures that testify me, of me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Notice what he says. He says, you study the scripture to, that you think that you might have eternal life in them, but what he's saying is you're religious in nature. You're reading your Bible to gain knowledge, but you're not in relationship with me. He says, you need to come to me, and when you come to me, then you will have life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil also says this, try to get God's approval. The opposite of that is the tree of life that says, receive God's love for me, right? It's not, it's not trying to get God's approval. Listen, folks, you can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't do good enough to get God's approval. You have to receive what God's love has done for you. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He changed us. He's, he set us free. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, when I'm talking about these two trees, you're going to have a choice on what tree you eat out of. You can eat out of the one that you try to get God's approval. You can eat out of the one where you try to do more. You can eat out of the one which is next. The, the focus is on the external. I got to get my deal together. I'm going to church today. I got to smile, everybody. I got to get my Christian face on, if you will. Like you live in this place and it's like you're trying to do this. You're trying to change the external. And that's, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And notice what happens when they eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's it produce? It produces shame in your life. It, it doesn't produce life in your life. Then he says this, the tree of life focuses on the internal. See, God's plan for you, the Bible says, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So if you're going to experience freedom and stay free, you have to make a decision to eat from the tree of life. You have to focus on the internal. You have to focus on God's love for you. You have to focus on what he's already done for you. Then, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we obey out of duty. We obey out of duty. It's a, it's a box we check, if you will. Right? It's everybody's serving, so I need to serve. I need to do this, and I need to do that, because it's out of duty. Listen, the tree of life says this, I obey God out of delight. I'm not, I'm not like this puppet in God's hand and he's making my arm go up. And, and you know, remember those puppets that used to kind of the Pinocchio thing that was scary? Those things where they've got the strings on them and they're doing this and that. And I think sometimes that's how we feel like our relationship with God is. It's the puppet master above you making your arms do everything, making you make these choices and he's up above you and he's just making you do it. That's not how God works. God, if you're going to walk in the tree of life, he makes it that you have to make a decision that you're going to be the one to make that decision. You're going to be the one walking that I'm, I'm obeying God out of delight, not out of duty as if I owe him something. What can you owe the one that paid everything for you? You can't owe anything. There's no way to repay that if you will. So how do we respond? How do we live in the tree of life? Number one, we got to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Like we're living in a society today, folks, and I want you to understand that we have to fall in love with Jesus all over again. We're, we're, being, we're being sucked dry from this culture. The Bible says this, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey what I command you. Notice what he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength in your neighbor as yourself. If you're not loving God and loving people, you're out of alignment. You're not obeying what he commanded us to do. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says that his love compels us. 
that like we're just to fall in love with Jesus, that, 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 we're to, that we're to allow his love to compel us. Listen, I can fulfill the commands of the Bible better by falling in love with God rather than trying to obey everything. It's, it's a response of love when you understand that Jesus loves you and you love him, that all of a sudden now I'm obeying in, in, in the areas of my life. I'm choosing the tree of life. I'm not trying to get it. I know I got it. I'm not trying to understand it. I understand it. And I fall in love with Jesus to the place where out of my love for Jesus comes obedience. Not I'm trying to obey everything. How many know, listen, take the pressure off yourself. Some of you live from God's perspective with this, I got like this pressure of God's waiting for you to mess up. I'm trying to obey everything, God. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to, you sound like an auctioneer. I'm not just trying to do it all, God. I'm trying to do it right. I'm trying to do everything you need me to do. And all of a sudden when you mess up, you're like, oh, and then he just judges you. Wrong God. God loves you enough to help you through life, but you have to understand that when you fall in love with him, you're not trying to obey everything he's told you to do. You're obeying the commands because you love him. Number two response to the tree of life is you got to respond to sin with life. I heard this this week. We've been talking about freedom. Freedom is never granted voluntarily by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Well, let me say that again. Freedom is never granted voluntarily by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. You have to have a response. It's not just, okay, well, I'm, it's just going to happen. Oh, it's just God's going to wave a wand and it's going to take place. No, you think the enemy wants you to be free? You think the enemy wants you to be free of the things that you've been bound by? You think the enemy wants you to be free from all the issues and desires and passions of your flesh? You're crazy. He's not just going to lay down and go, okay, there you go. It's all over now. Uh-uh. You have to take it. You have to respond to sin with life. John three seventeen in the message. I love the message Bible. It says this. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Listen to that. He didn't come to point an accusing finger. He came to put the world back again, to make it right again. Listen, Jesus came to set me free, not make me sorry. He came to set me free, not make me sorry. I'm not just walking around sorry for my sin. I'm not, oh, I did it again. I'm so sorry, God. I live with this sorry God mentality all the time. I did it again. First John 1, 9, confess my faults. Uh, you're perfect and righteous and you'll forgive me all my sin. You know how weak of a life that is to live that way? Look, that's a crutch. Let's, let's kick the crutch out today. Let's say to God and let's say to our flesh that Jesus came to set me free so I don't have to walk around sorry. I can walk around in freedom. I can respond to sin with life. Number three is this. You're going to have to guard your heart from going backwards. Some of you have experienced a lot of freedom over this series and you've experienced things in your life. Guard your heart from going backwards. Human history, according to C.S. Lewis, he said this, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. That's what we're always trying to do. 
Like we get in these moments where we want to press through and live for Jesus, and then all of a sudden we're in this rut, and all of a sudden we start going backwards again. You have to guard your heart from going backwards. 1 John 5, 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. How do we turn the page? How do, how, do we, how do we turn the page? How do we guard our hearts from going backwards? How do, we, how do we push forward? How do we keep from going back into that bondage? How do, we, how do we continue to, how do we eat out of the tree of life? How do we stay free to be all God wants us to be? Praise the Lord. Keep providing. Come on, everybody sing it with me. How do, how do we turn the page? How do we keep from going back into the bondage he set us free from? Number one, you're going to have to turn the page and not go back by knowing God is the author of the story. Come on, somebody. God is the author of your story. You say, well, pastor, uh, maybe I'm a mistake. Maybe I, no, no, God's the author of your story. Psalm 139, 15 and 16 says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He's the author of your story. I heard this story about a guy who had a car in the early mid 1900s and he was driving his car and the car all of a sudden breaks down and he's down, broke down on the side of the road, really no cell phones and no, no ability to call somebody to come help him. And he tried to fix it. He didn't know how to fix his car. And all of a sudden, as he's standing on the side of the road, this limousine pulls up. And the limousine pulls up, and the guy in the very back, he rolls down the window, and there sits a man. He's sitting in a suit with a tie on, and he asks the man, he says, how can I help you? And the man says, really, my, my car's broke down. I don't know how to fix my car. And if you could go into town and get somebody and bring them back to help me fix it, I would appreciate it. Well, the man in the suit gets out of the limousine and looks under the hood. He works on it for just a few minutes. He goes to the driver's seat, starts it up, and it, purr, it just begins to purr beautifully. The guy that had the broke down car was in shock and awe. The man with the broken down car said, sir, how can I pay you? How can I, how can I pay you for what you just did? He said, you don't owe me anything. He said, he says, I don't understand. You have your suit, you have your limousine. He says, he says, why did you, would you come out here and work on a car? I, I just don't understand why you would do that. He said, well, let me introduce you to myself. My name is Henry Ford. He said, I made that car. And he said, I don't like to see any of the cars I made sitting on the side of the road. Listen to me today. God is the author of your story and he, he doesn't want your life to be sitting on the side of the road. He doesn't want you to live this broke down, busted, disgusted, and listen, you can't fix it, he'll fix it for you because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. If you're not gonna go back and you're gonna release everything to God moving forward and you're gonna overcome the things that had you bound, listen, you gotta understand God's in charge of you. Come on, he's the author of your story. I know there's certain authors that I like to read and when they write a new book, I buy it right away. I buy new books all the time from authors that have, that have led me down a journey that I can trust. God's led us down a journey and you have to understand he's the author of your story. Number two, if you're gonna turn the page and not go back, you're gonna have to know that this is a story. Your story is a story of victory. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We read in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on, we're not, we're not trying to live for victory. We're not trying to get victory. We're living from victory. That he's the author of your story and it is a story of victory. Jesus isn't trying to beat the devil. He's not trying to beat the enemy. He already did it. He already paid for it. And all you have to do is begin to declare the victory promise over your life. That this is a story of victory. You're not, you don't have to live in the place of defeat, but you can live in that place of victory. And finally, if you're gonna turn the page, and you're gonna stay free and eat out of the tree of life, you're gonna have to know that this is God's story, not your own. This isn't your story. Do you actually think you're writing your own story? Do you think, do you think that, that just because you're, 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 you're good that you're writing your story? God's story, he said he knew you before you were formed. God's story, not my story. I have to know that this is God's story, not my story. If we're gonna, if we're gonna go, if we're gonna, if we're gonna say we're not going back and we're not gonna live in that place of bondage anymore, we have to know that he's the author, it's a story of victory, and that it's his story, not your story. That it points to him. The freedom that he's done in your life points to him. It doesn't point to your good works. There's no way in May of 1994 when Jesus came into my life and set me free from all he set me from that I could take credit for it. There's no way. I I didn't go to programs. I didn't go to things that set me free from addiction. None of that stuff. It was just one step into the arms of Jesus because it's his story. It's a story of victory. And I could have given up, I don't know how many times, but he's the author of my story. And I'm trusting the author to turn the page and to begin to write a new chapter in my life. Listen, there's a, there's, a, there's a concept when you're flying across the ocean that pilots know about. And when they start to fly across the ocean, there's a point as they're taking you across, it's called the point of no return. And it's the place on their, des- on their, on their journey that they can't go backwards anymore. They don't have enough fuel to go backwards that if they were to turn the plane around, not having enough fuel, they would end up crashing that plane into the ocean. It's called the point of no return. So they get to that place and they realize they only have enough fuel to get them to the destination so they can't go backwards. Let me ask you a question. Have you got to that limit yet? Are you at the point of point of no return? where you're like, I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm gonna go all the way. I'm not gonna look back any longer. I'm not gonna continue to be bound to yesterday. I'm not gonna focus on my past anymore. Listen, I don't wanna put fuel into that. I'm gonna put fuel into my future. And I'm gonna focus on what Jesus has for my life. And I'm gonna walk free in victory because he's the author of my story. And I'm gonna live his story out on the earth free in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Jason, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. And today I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. Maybe you've walked away from God or you once knew God and you once had a relationship with him. And today you wanna come home. You wanna make him your Lord and savior today. You You wanna give it all to him today. I'm gonna give you a minute. 
just to think about that question. Do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about do you come to church. I'm talking about do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about you just having your sins forgiven. That's the beginning. Do you know Jesus? If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Jason, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, or I once knew God and I've walked away from him and I wanna recommit my life to him today. I'm not gonna call you forward or anything weird, but I do wanna know who I'm praying with. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Will you raise up your hand right where you are? Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. If, you, if that's you in this place, you say, Pastor, that's me. I want, I want, I want that prayer today. Let's all pray this together. Let's pray this out loud together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for turning the page. I'll walk in your story in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for those that may have said yes to Jesus this morning? Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.